This life-changing message comes to you from Church of the Harvest. It's our prayer that this message will inspire your life and bring hope to your future. We're going to look at uh, chapter 25. And like Pastor Rob said last week that, you know, there were so many different ways to go. Boy, I felt the same thing. Uh, It just, every page was, you know, loads of sermons. I mean, just everywhere you turn, you had the Mount of Transfiguration, Lazarus being raised from the dead. You had Jesus coming through uh, to Jerusalem, Passover, the Hosanna, you know, it's just uh, so many different things. And I I really, Lord, what is it that you want me to, to minister on? And I'm really going to minister on who Jesus is. And I I believe that uh, God will minister and and, and speak to you through this. You know, there's not a whole lot that we know about Jesus from age, uh, early age to 30. But we do know that he was a Jewish child. And so he was studying the Torah He had memorized the Tanakh, or the entire Old Testament. And and so, a lot of the things that he was uh, speaking to people, they knew what he was talking about. It it was not just something that uh, a lot of times we need interpretation. They knew because they knew the scriptures. And that's where the disciples were at but he was not well known uh, you know at first but things changed because word got out that there was healings there was miracles people were being set free and life their life was being transformed by meeting this person Jesus so the next natural thing is who is this guy and they're they're wondering who is this one that's doing all these things in the name of God. And he's at the same time upsetting them at different things he says. And, but he's going, you know, straight to the truth. And the people were asking. Now, I got to thinking about, you know, the whole story has been about the upper story or God's story and the lower story, our walk. And for the first time, Can you imagine the delight in Father God's heart? For the first time, the upper story was in alignment with someone walking in the earth perfectly. Jesus' lower story was exactly the upper story. It was the perfect will of God being walked out in the earth. You want to know what God the Father looks at like? Look at Jesus. Look at him. So there was this alignment. It had to be just an excitement in the heart of Father to finally have someone that was walking in alignment. Because Israel, as we've uh, studied there many times, they were in rebellion and they were taken captive and they weren't serving God. But they had a promise. They knew that promise that was made to Abraham they would have a mighty nation and there was prophecies uh, to be fulfilled. Could this be the Messiah, they were thinking. Could this be 
maybe this is a prophet. Who, who is this one? In Matthew chapter 16, verse 13, it says, When Jesus came to the region of uh, Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, Who do people say the Son of Man is? They replied, Some say John the Baptist. Others say Elijah. Still others, Jeremiah or one of the prophets. But what about you, he asked. Who do you say I am? Simon Peter Peter answered, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. It's interesting the setting here that he's in a region. He had left Galilee and he's in this region where it's full of pagan worship. It it was known uh, for being a place where Baal was worshipped. It was... It was known for being the place where a god, a cultic god named Pan, P-A-N, where he was worshipped. It was a high place of worship for him. And, and Pan's, Pan, is a, you look at it, was an evil spirit that was half man and half goat. And actually from that word Pan... We get the word panic, pandemonium, and pandemic. Oh, wow. I think the God of Pan is, is around <laughs> in the earth today. And it, it's a spirit. And it comes against the church. But here we have... Jesus, in this setting, he, he asked them who the people say. And, you know, the answer here is Elijah, uh, maybe Jeremiah, one of the prophets, John the Baptist, who had already lost his head. But notice Jesus wasn't really interested in what they, others were saying. He said, who do you say? It was a... A request of the Lord, who do you say that I am? And that request is still being made today. Every person has a personal decision to answer that question, who is Jesus Christ? Who is he? Peter made the right answer, of course. But this question serves as the foundation for the entire story. Everything in the Old Testament pointed to Jesus. Now Jesus has come. And this question is really what the story is about. It's the foundation. You know, Peter, of course it was Peter who answered. You are the Messiah, the Son of the living God. This confession from the heart allows God to live inside the believer by his Holy Spirit. Wow. See the, the power of confessing who Jesus is? When we accept him as Lord and Savior, we're, what we're doing, we're saying, you are Lord 
and it allows him by his spirit to come and live on the inside of us. Somebody say, wow. In 1 John 4, verse 15, all who confess that Jesus is the Son of God have God living in them, and they live in God. We know how much God loves us, and we have put our trust in his love. In other words, if you're facing trouble in your life and you're a believer, you have confessed him and made him Lord and Savior, you don't face trouble alone. You have the living God living on the inside of you. You've got the Holy Spirit. Maybe you've lost someone and you're grieving. You don't grieve alone because the living God by his spirit lives on the inside of you. Maybe you have a broken relationship. You're trying to mend. You don't mend alone because you have the living God living on the inside of you. We're not alone. Well, I feel alone. But you're not alone if you're serving him, if you love him and have accepted him. You've got God inside of you. That was such a big thought for the Old Testament people to have God living inside. But that's what we have when we enter into a relationship with him. Maybe you're looking for a job. You don't look alone. Maybe you're wondering who you are. You're not looking alone because you can discover who you are by meeting Jesus. And accepting him. He'll show you who you are. Jesus tells, tells Peter, you didn't come up with this on your own. Yeah, Peter, you got the right answer. But then he goes, you didn't do it. <laughs> he knows Peter. That's what he needed. You know, <laughs> Teacher, teacher, I got the answer. I got the answer. You're the Messiah, the son of the living God. Peter. Flesh and blood didn't reveal this to you. You didn't do it. <laughs> My father, the father, our father revealed it to you. Who has he revealed himself to? I'll give you a little tip, the humble. He resists the proud, the Pharisees and the Sadducees. They couldn't see it because they were proud. But when you humble yourself and come before the Lord, guess what? You'll find him. He's there. So this was an act of grace. It was something that, and have you noticed that to get a, a revelation, you can't talk someone into something. They have to get what? Say revelation. God has to open it up to them. Jesus accepted this confession and he said, I'm on, he started to teach them truth on top of this. And he had a, a major surprise for them because many were hoping that. They looked forward to descendant from David sitting on the throne again. 
And they were looking for that. But Jesus had the surprise announcement. He was not going to set up a physical kingdom on this earth. And we know that it's a spiritual kingdom because the kingdom of God resides on the inside of us. And see, many times we're getting all worked up about this kingdom on earth and the Bible says it's ruled by the enemy. And we got Christians fighting over a world system <laughs> that's ruled by the enemy. It will never be the solution and never be the answer. Only God can change the heart. Only God can transform your life. Only he gives new life. Only he can break down barriers of racism. Only he can give you a new heart for a new start. Only he can give you peace in the midst of the storm. It is the son of the living God. He is our Messiah, and he's taken up resident inside of the believer. Hallelujah. Preaching myself happy here. I was... Matthew 15. I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. You are Peter. And upon this rock, I will build my church. They go, wait a minute. You're supposed to take the throne. Now, I'm going to build my church. And it's interesting to know what the word Peter there means. And you remember Jesus gave him that, his, his name. Peter means, it's Petros, and it means Little stone. Say little stone. Look to your neighbor and say, hello, little stone. Now, that's not an insult. And I'll tell you why in a minute. He says, Peter, little stone, upon this rock, and then it's large rock I will build my church see the church wasn't built upon Peter aren't you glad I love Peter I mean he, he gives me hope <laughs> it wasn't built on Peter it was built on this confession of faith, the rock of revelation, this confession of faith that Christ, that Jesus is the Christ, the Messiah, the Son of the living God. And you get that revelation, the only thing that you can do responsibly is lay down your life and thank him for eternal life and all that he's done for you. That rock, a revelation. I'm going to build my church. That's what he was saying. He brought this new, new to them. Notice he said, my church. That, 
That word church, ecclesia, it's a, it means called out assembly. They were familiar with that because they would have meetings. But he said, this is my meeting. This is my meeting, my assembly. And we find out that his assembly was open to anyone that would receive him. All cultures, all backgrounds, all nations, all peoples that would accept him are welcome to his assembly. And we find this term 114 times in the Bible and 90 of them refer to the local church. The others, the universal church. You are to belong to his assembly, which is a local church. Be planted there. Be serving there, growing there, doing the work of ministry there. And you are part of the universal church. Do you know that those brothers and sisters in, in India that are born again, we're a part of the same body, the same church, universal church. So Jesus said, I'm going to have my assembly and I'm going to invite who I want to invite. All those who accept me as Lord and Savior are invited. They can come on. Actually, that's wrong. He invites everyone. But only those who accept the invitation by accepting him as Lord come in. Got ahead of myself. I wanted to talk about rock for a moment. His disciples recognized rock as the symbol of God. In Deuteronomy 32, 4, he is the rock. His work is perfect. Psalms 18, 2, the Lord is my rock and my fortress. For who is God save the Lord or who is a rock save our God? Psalms 18, 31. So the the foundation or the, the rock that the church is built on is Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. And it takes the Father revealing that to you. I, I'll tell you another thing. Every promise is received by a revelation being revealed to you. And maybe I shouldn't have said that because you're going to say, how do you get revelation? Well, you spend time with God. You open your heart. You say, your word is final authority in my life. And you humble yourself and he'll speak. He will speak. You have to get rid of the distractions. You have to turn some things off and be quiet. But he will speak. That still small voice gets many times drowned out by distraction, busyness. But we get with the Lord and we hear. And he will, he will speak and give you. Another way, you can ask for revelation. Do you know you can pray for the spirit of, of wisdom and revelation to enlighten you, your mind, your understanding? You can pray and ask. You have not because you ask not. Ask. 
Well, I'm having trouble receiving in this area. Ask for revelation for the Lord to reveal it to you. That you can own it then and then it's yours. Oh my goodness. I just realized that's something Danny Chambers used to say. That's for you, Danny. <laughs> okay. <laughs> First Peter 2.5. You also as living stones are being built up a spiritual house, a holy priesthood, to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. When you become a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, you become a living stone. You were a dead stone before. <laughs> You're a living stone. And all of us are living stones. And he builds us together. He says his church, assembly required. Have you ever assembled anything? <laughs> One of the worst things to say on the box, some assembly required. That, that sets me off the praying right there. <laughs> because I know when they say some, they mean a lot of assembly required. <laughs> the ones that have very little assembly, no assembly required. Then you find that there are two or three things. Yeah. But some assembly required. And there's pieces missing and all this. You're trying to put it together. Well, aren't you glad that God assembles, Jesus assembles the living stones where they're supposed to be? And he builds it into his holy habitation, his temple. And it says that we're to be marked by oneness and unity and love. That we're to carry him to a world that's lost and dying. Jesus prayed that we'd all be one. You probably know that many churches are, are leaving the word of God. But he always has his people. Amen. Amen. And we're to be in unity. We're to be uh, in love with each other. Jesus Christ's foundation rock on which the church is built. Old Testament prophets said this in Psalms 118.22, Isaiah 28.16, Jesus said Matthew 21.42, Peter and the other apostles in Acts 4.10 through 12. Paul also stated the foundation for the church is Jesus Christ in 1 Corinthians 3.11. In Ephesians 2.19 it says, you are no longer foreigners and aliens, but fellow citizens with God. God's people and members of God's household built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets which Christ Jesus himself is the chief cornerstone. In him, the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the name of the Lord. So we see here that 
And, and let me just throw this out there because there's been teaching that, that the apostles and prophets of, of the Bible failed. We need new apostles and that. That's how this scripture is saying the foundation was those of prophets and prophets, uh, those apostles and prophets of the Bible. There is to be no new word. There's people saying, well, I've got a new word from God because I'm an apostle. Nah, not in scripture. Everybody say, nah. I like that one. Thank you, Ed. No, the, the word doesn't change, and we stick with the word. It says that the gates of hell would not prevail against it. And it really is, is Hades. It's the, the realm of the dead. It holds the spirits of uns, the unsaved dead. And we know believers go straight to be in the presence of the Lord. But the, the gates of Hades is a, a place that the unsaved are there now. And there will come a time where they will be cast into the lake of fire. But let me tell you what gates represent in the Bible. It represents authority and power. When we, uh, it talks about the gates of a city, it'd be, we'd, the closest thing we could call it would be like our city hall. That's where business and uh, rulings and, and uh, decisions were made. And so the gates was this place of power and authority. So it's talking about when you look at the gates of Hades, you're talking about, and let me just read this to you. It would symbolize the organized power of death and Satan. So it represents his organization and death. It's everything that, that Satan has going on. It's his gates. It's his, it's his core. It's his place of power. But the Bible tells us that Jesus totally defeated him and brought him to zero. He has no gate anymore. He's been stripped of his power and stripped of his authority. Aren't you glad? And death cannot hold us. Has no power over us. So Jesus Christ conquered death and doesn't have the power. He stormed the gates and delivered the captives. Then he says, I give you keys of the kingdom. What's the key for? Keys open doors. It's opening doors of wisdom and treasures of the kingdom. And it's plural. He can tell you how to operate and function the kingdom that's been placed on the inside of you by getting your lower story in alignment with the upper story. He will give you revelation how to walk in wisdom. The Holy Spirit will show you the future, what decision you need to make. There's grace and help in time of need. He's a good God, a good Father. The keys are plural. I love that. There's so many rooms in the kingdom. So many places. But he talks about binding and loosing. And this was very familiar to the Jews. The rabbis often spoke of binding and loosing. It meant forbidding or permitting. 
what you permit or what you forbid. And he, he's saying in, in the scripture that he, he gives us this key. And whatever you bind on the earth will be bound in heaven. But I will read it to you from the Greek. Because the, the verb tense is really interesting. Whatever you bind on earth, forbid to be done, shall already be, have been already bound in heaven. Already. Say already. Let me read it again. Whatever you bind on earth, forbid to be done, shall have been already bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth, permit to be done, shall have already been loosed in heaven. Do you see the difference in what we're talking about? It's not just a random thing. You bind and loose what you permit or forbid is according to the kingdom of heaven, the way things operate in heaven, what's already been done, what's already been established. That's the reason you say, as it is in heaven, let it be on earth. We, how many things have we permitted that we shouldn't be permitting in our life? That means we drop the keys. Or may it be lost the keys. Ellen came in the other day and she said, it was just this little key to my Jeep. And uh, it was just a, a half of a key it looked like there. I said, Where, where's the rest of it? Because it's got that little square thing, you know, you stick in. that doesn't, You don't see a key or anything. She goes, you think it'll work? I, I don't know. I don't know if I want to stick it in there. It might not come out. <laughs> I go out there and just barely try. I said, no, no, it's, it's, not, it's not doing anything. I go on the search and rescue, looking in her car, my car everywhere, could not find it. So then she said, I'll go look. I got, she left, I got a smile on my face. Because 99.9% .9 of the time when my, my, my lost and fine rescue mission fails, she goes and finds it. Usually where I've looked. Sure enough, she goes and finds it where I looked. I said, it had to be hidden. She said, well, you had to look. <laughs> I said, I literally crawled in the car with a flashlight and got under the seats. Where was it? Under the seat. <laughs> Don't lose your keys. Anyway, she found it, and we popped it back on. Good as new. Hallelujah. What are you permitting in your life you should be forbidding in your life? Got three points here. Number one, Jesus is the rock 
Number two, we are living stones. Number three, we are the partner with Jesus to build his church. Community, discipleship, outreach. We've got to be about the mission of building the church. You know, one thing I found out, people that get blessed are helping Jesus build his church. It's not a complicated thing. They get blessed. We're to be about building his church. And he gets the glory and the honor. You know, it's interesting right after this that it said that and Jesus began to teach them about what he must suffer, what he would go through and be raised from the dead. And he's telling his disciples this. And Peter, who had just given the correct answer, this time comes over and says, uh, come here, Jesus. Now you have a little powwow here. And the Bible says that Jesus, re <laughs> that Peter rebuked Jesus. Now I laugh at that. Okay. Y'all just, that cracks me up. I mean, <laughs> He's rebuking Jesus. He just said, you are the son of God. You're the Messiah. I rebuke you, Jesus. No, this isn't gonna, that's, he's going, this isn't going to happen. Not on my watch. You're not going to die. <laughs> Jesus, in his nice, calm spirit, turns and faces them all. Get thee behind me, Satan. <laughs> You're offense to me because you mind the things of man and not the things of God. Then he said, whoever comes after me must deny himself and follow me. He made this great confession and we, we mess up. But part of it, we need to forbid some things. We need to permit the word of God to come in us and pray and do those things. Yes, you can still watch that TV show or whatever, but you've got to have priority Jesus Christ. His worthiness demands our priority. When you think about all he's done for us, that's who he is. That's who he is. Our God, our Savior, our big brother, our Redeemer, our peace, our joy. The one who took the cross and my sins and died for me. Let's bow our heads for just a moment. If there's anyone here that needs Jesus Christ, maybe you need to make that same confession that Peter made. You're the Messiah, the Son of the living God. It's the most important question you'll ever answer. Because it affects your eternal destination. Not all people go to heaven. 
only those that receive him as Lord and Savior and give their life to him. That's you today. Maybe you're watching online and you feel in your heart that conviction that I need to say yes to Jesus. Maybe you're lonely. Maybe you're hurt. Maybe you've been through some things that you don't understand. There's a loving Heavenly Father, a compassionate God who loves you and paid a great price for you. And He wants to live in you. He wants to help you. All you have to do is invite Him in. If you'll say these words after me from your heart, He'll come in. He's faithful and He's just. Just say, Dear God, I thank you for Jesus, that He died for me. He took my sins, my guilt, and my shame. I confess Jesus Christ as my Savior, my Messiah, my Lord. I receive you, Jesus, into my life. Come and live in me by your Spirit for all eternity. Reveal your word to me. And I pray for you that prayed that. I pray that you will be faithful to him. I pray that you will reach out and grab that word, grab that Bible. That you will get plugged in to a local church that will teach the word of God that believe in the power of God and you will become a disciple of the Lord Jesus Christ, a disciplined follower, a lover of the things of God and not the things of man. For this life is short and it passes away like a vapor, but all eternity, time without end, awaits those that leave, that die from this, this physical earth and you go to one or two places and Jesus is saying choose him choose heaven, choose life, choose peace choose him by not choosing you've chosen death a place of eternal damnation and torment that was created for Satan and his followers, his angels. Father, I thank you for your word today. We give you all the honor and all the praise in Jesus' mighty name. If you'd like to get more information about resources from Church of the Harvest, please check out our website at midsouthharvest.org. You may also contact us by phone at 662-890-1573 or toll free at 866-383-8277.